Hi, I'm Anya Katz, and you're listening to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. I started this podcast because I was tired of being stereotyped as lazy, triggered, and entitled. I wanted to give voice to a different kind of millennial and invite us to write a new story. One of a generation willing to challenge the status quo, embrace nuance and paradox, and reject PC culture. This podcast isn't about finding answers. It's about asking the right questions. How can we reinvent ourselves and the narratives we've been expected to inherit? How can we take ownership over the ways we participate in our own suffering? How can we move beyond victimization and into empowerment? How can we fix ourselves to fix the world? It's time for new dreams, new stories, and new futures. Hello, dear friends and listeners of the podcast. Happy Friday. Today I am bringing you a serious episode. Um, This is one of the longer conversations I had in a while, and to be honest, I feel like it could have easily kept going. Um, The conversation you're going to hear today is with Whitney Will. Whitney and I met because we took the same astrology apprenticeship, and I'm sort of shocked that I haven't had her on the podcast before now, um, but I'm grateful for the timing. I, I trust Saturn's timing um, in this, and I think this was a great conversation, and I'm looking forward to having more of them with Whitney in the future and collaborating with her more. Um, I am not going to do a big, long intro today. I want the focus to be on this conversation But I did just want to mention um, that there are, as of Friday, March 5th at 3.30 p.m., there are still three open spots in the March Lunar Circle, which uh, begins a week from today. Uh, I've spoken about this a bunch before, so I don't want to repeat myself too much, but basically um, I decided to launch two month-long programs, the length of a lunar cycle each, One of them is almost done, which is really crazy because I feel like the month has gone by so quickly and the next one starts with the Pisces new moon next week. Um, But basically we're gathering together and learning about astrology over the course of a lunar cycle, going through the zodiac sign by sign, learning about our charts sign by sign and placement by placement. It's a really intimate space with only 17 people and half the class is really sharing our own reflections of what we learned, whether it be through books or through um, teaching or through nature or intuition or meditation, come together, share all that we've learned. um, And then I do a little bit of lecturing as well about different signs in each class. So a lot of info information about that can be found on my website, anyakotz.com slash lunar circle. Um, if you head over to Instagram, there's an Instagram live that I did that sort of expands upon the program in depth. If you want more information, of course, please always feel free to reach out to me if you're on the fence about something or have questions or need clarity about anything at all, including the lunar circle. Um, but I also wanted to mention, uh, we do have three spots left, but I wanted to make sure to say to anyone who really wants to enroll, who wants to participate in the, in this next group, and I probably won't be offering another one until the fall for various reasons, mostly lack of 
stable internet. Um, so this is the last one I'll be launching in a while. And if you have heard me talk about this a bunch and you really want to enroll, but what's keeping you from enrolling is the price, please let me know because we can make something work for sure. My biggest priority is for as many people to participate as possible, to have it be as accessible as possible. It's priced the way that it is um, because it is quite a bit of work for me, especially in the preparation. I make everyone a very detailed month-long transit calendar, which is quite uh, a project, um, but very useful. So I do it for everyone. Plus, obviously, the six Zooms that we have throughout the month and all the presentations and all of that. But that said, um, those who are able to pay the full price and have paid the full price enable me to be flexible with some of the rest of you. So please don't feel badly if you can't afford this and you really want to do it. Please reach out to me. I announced this this morning to my patrons and we had one person pay for another person's um, enrollment. We had someone work out a payment system with me. I just feel honestly really blessed to have... Um, gotten to the point where I'm like, hey, like, don't be afraid or ashamed to reach out to me if um, there's an issue financially with you signing up. It's sort of like beautiful to see how that's all been sort of resolved in almost a more meaningful and communal way. Um, I would love to expand on that experience a bit more sometime in the future. So again, um, anyakotz.com slash lunar circle, you will see all of the different uh, dates when we'll be meeting. If you can attend most of the Zooms, if you want to enroll and you can afford it, amazing. But again, if you can't or there's an issue, um, please shoot me an email, anyakotz at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, the sooner the better because there are only three spots left, but Let's make it work, you guys. I want to share these tools with you, and I want to get to know you better and see how you all sort of flourish with this new astrological knowledge. Um, so I think that's all I have to say for now. Uh, it was interesting to, I don't know, record this episode, but also listen back to parts of it today and write the description and just feel really grateful for the fact that I survived my own Saturn return. And I've talked about it before in the past on the podcast in several different episodes. Um, namely, I think episode 36, You Can't Rush Your Healing. And then more recently in the Millennial's Guide to Spirituality episode that I posted, I think that was 78, maybe episode 78. Um, so I've talked about a bunch. You'll hear about it more today. Whitney and I both talk about our Saturn return experiences and how they were different and similar. But goddamn. It's crazy how sort of stuck I felt at so many points in that journey in my late 20s and how I felt like time was moving so slowly, all very indicative of Saturn things. Um, but it was really hard to see the light in the, uh, at the end of the tunnel. I had a lot of faith that it was there, but man, was that a period of time that just dragged the fuck on. Um, but here I am sort of sitting at the other side of the table, reflecting on it as a past experience and like sharing my experience and the wisdom that I gained. And so for anyone that's going through a really tough time, no matter what age you are, no matter what astrological significance it has, time is such a blessing and um, things do change and that's beautiful and I'm extremely grateful for that lesson that has now basically steeped into my bones. <laughs> um, I'm going to play you in today with a song called 10 Laws by East Forest. I listened to this quite a bit during my Saturn return. It speaks to me um, 
in regard to Saturn's archetypes quite a bit. I, I had a really hard time picking songs for this episode, to be honest. There are so many, so, so many. If you just like also search Saturn Return on Spotify, um, you won't believe how many people have written music about Saturn Returns. So that's one of the songs I picked. <laughs> had to whittle it down. Hopefully I'll get to play some more Saturn Return songs in the future. So please enjoy... Um, and I will catch you, as always, on the other end.
all musicians singing our way through life together. I'm here with Whitney, and we just, so Whitney and I took the same astrology apprenticeship, um, but we sort of realized we've never really had like a long conversation, just the two of us. It's always been quick or in a group setting, so this is a first, and y'all are going to be present for it. <laughs> um, so uh, Whitney's an astrologer, and I'm going to let her talk a little bit more about who she is and how she found astrology and what her approach is. Um, but I, I have, I don't even know what her chart is necessarily. I've asked a couple questions cause I feel that there's like a lot of alignments and just similarities in the ways that I feel like we approach things and think about things and what we value. Um, and we figured we would talk about Saturn today, which is probably more Whitney's domain than my domain being a very <laughs> Mars heavy person. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm into it because I um, really through my Saturn return got to appreciate Saturn in a myriad of ways and really appreciate that energy now in my life. So um, we're going to get all into Saturn and Saturn returns, which is maybe to most people, not an exciting topic, but we're going to make it exciting. Um, so yeah, Whitney, take it away. I'd love to hear how you found astrology um, and w what piqued your interest about it and then how you sort of pursued it and what your unique approach is. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think for me growing up, so I was born in Northern California and kind of, you know, whatever you're picturing is probably pretty accurate. Like I was born in Northern California, kind of spent the early part of my life in like, um, in this kind of co-housing agricultural community, very, very liberal, very connected to the earth. And so astrology was kind of always in the background. It was kind of like peripheral. Um, and then I got pretty into it kind of like in adolescence, um, and stuff. And then I went to college, I got a classics degree, decided I was an atheist, threw the whole thing out the window because like, look at me, I'm so reasonable, like whatever, that's ridiculous. Um, but part of my degree, so I went to St. John's college, um, in Santa Fe. And there's also one in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, and so it's kind of, it's a classics degree, but it's based on the great works of Western civilization. And so one of the things it's an all required program. And so I accidentally majored in the history of math, which was not something that I chose, but, um, what ended up happening is that the history of math is a lot of astronomy and for much of history, astronomy and astrology were not divorced right. subjects. So while I was atheist and congratulating myself on like ripping out every thing for the sake of rationality and to try to be taken seriously by the philosophy bros that I was surrounded by, um, I was really laying the foundations for what would later become astrology. Um, 
and my love of it and kind of my return to those things. Um, so thank you to my classics degree, at least for that. Um, yeah. And then right after college, I, um, so yeah, my twenties got off to a really rough start. I graduated from college when I was 21 and six weeks later, um, my boyfriend died in an accident and that was like, I stopped being an atheist about 10 seconds after I found out that he died. That was like, and so, you know, that was like a really hard left into my twenties. And so then from there it became really kind of repairing this atheist worldview in like the most intense way possible. And um, then, so I did a number of things, fast forward about three years. It was in 2016 that I um, discovered the astrology podcast and got really into it. (laughs) Same timeline. And it was really taking off then too. So, um, and what I appreciated so much about it was it's kind of grounding in the ancients. So that was a way that I could enter into it in a way that felt familiar and that had integrity because kind of I've always been turned off by the like smoke and mirrors, like magical astrology, like your divine transcend everything. Sorry if I'm offending anyone, but (laughs) that always, (laughs) that, yeah, it, that kind of stuff doesn't feel safe enough to me. It's not transparent enough, you know, um, I kind of go back to like that line from the second book of Harry Potter when, you know, like Ginny falls in love with this diary and her dad says like, I've told you don't, don't trust anything unless you can see where it keeps its brain. And there's this kind of way of like, unless there's transparency and like how we're saying what we're seeing and what that's grounded in and we're honest about that. It's always kind of been like, I just have this yuck reaction to it. Um, So, yeah, so I just like basically binged the astrology podcast for a couple years. And then, um, yeah, and then did the apprenticeship in 2018. Um, So that was about two years later. and yeah, that was kind of my, my formal introduction, but kind of when I started doing the apprenticeship, it was kind of like this huge being ripped out of the astrology closet. So like, I wasn't an atheist anymore. I was studying astrology, but I didn't want anyone to know about it. It was kind of like this like hidden whispered thing. Mm. And then, um, and then the South node was moving through my first house and I had an eclipse right on my Aquarian ascendant. And that week I published a column in the local paper, joined the astrology apprenticeship Mm -hmm. and like did an interview on the radio and people started reaching out for readings. And it was like this, like the, 
yeah, I just got like cannonballed out of the astrology closet really hard. Um, but it was great. I had a really soft, soft landing. So good. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the kind of the final piece of that is I, um, I started my graduate degree um, in counseling psychology from Pacifica Graduate Institute in 2016. And so that was kind of my co-occurring project was astrology and counseling. And I actually took a year off from my graduate degree because I needed to relocate. And that's when I started doing astrology really hardcore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like it's I needed to pick up that piece because for me, the two have been so intertwined. And that astrology was a really, really potent tool for me to do my own work with therapy also. Um, did I've done a lot, a lot of therapy um, and used astrology in that. And so now kind of my practice with astrology is a hybrid really of therapy and astrology. It's not, um, it's not necessarily about prediction in a solid way because I show up, basically I use my counseling tools in astrology um, because what I care most about is my client's experience and that they feel seen and that they feel like there is something useful and that I'm not coming into sessions from this point of like, I have all this authority and I have all this knowledge and I'm going to pour it on you and you're going to take it. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's much more of like, you know, I start all of my readings with like what feels active for you and really try to, Follow what's meaningful to people because I think, right, what astrology does is it's this mirror that's based on objective math. And so there's a lot of stuff that using astrology, we don't have to take so personally about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And once we can get out of like the paralysis of shame or denial, we can actually address those things from, from an honest way. And we can be a lot more flexible with them. And so that's kind of like the basic, the basic place that I come to astrology from is like, let's get you unstuck. And part of that is being honest about where we are. And then the other thing is being honest about the tools at your disposal. Like I can't tell you to use your Libra Mars, like an Aries Mars. Right. But yeah. Yeah, it was funny. I was... recently someone was reading me a part of this article that was I think it was like an interview that Sam Harris did with someone and the guy was bad-mouthing astrology and at the end of the whole thing they were like yeah no astrology's bullshit you know it's all it's super subjective it's just like all projection and really if anything's happening it's just that like the client is reading themselves (laughs) and I was like I feel like yes like that you're discrediting of astrology actually just sort of like that is what it is I mean I I always sort of I'm curious to hear your thoughts about it but so many times I feel like I'm not actually telling anybody anything they don't know 
It's just that they needed a different way to understand it or permission to know that what they felt was accurate. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes, you know, yeah, we get to the end of the reading and I feel like, yeah, we've talked about a lot of things that you already know. Yeah. But part of that, and I think this gets into to planetary returns is like this sense of coming home to yourself. And right. If we weren't, if we weren't perfectly mirrored, which none of us were, there's a way in which we're a little bit lost to ourselves until we, until we see those things. And so, right. And, and also being in the therapy room, Sometimes, you know, there's the same experiences that me as a therapist will go through a session and be like, I don't know what was accomplished. And I think being a beginning therapist, there's this kind of like, you know, feeling, feeling pressure from wherever, from the client, from the agency that you're working at to like make progress every single time. But, um, that's we don't move in straight lines as much as we want to yeah yeah do you feel I mean and I've obviously talked a lot about this on the podcast and I know we've shared similar experiences and I think have similar thoughts on it but do you sort of feel like a constant checking of yourself in these contexts like as the astrologer as the counselor um like, I feel like I, I I take, it's like that with great power comes great responsibility mindset. And I take that very, very, very seriously. And I feel like you do as well. Um, but I'm interested to hear how you navigate that. Like, if you struggle sometimes with imposter syndrome in that regard, or like, how do you monitor your own projections and making sure that you're being honest and that you're behaving in a you know responsible manner in this domain for sure well I think one piece of that is that I say at the beginning of every astrology reading like interrupt me tell me if if I'm wrong, like I have nothing invested in my own correctness. Um, because, you know, for me to kind of look at a chart and think that I understand everything and that I'm interpreting everything correctly is just like a tremendous amount of hubris that is not, is not there. And also, right. Any planet is, they're not symbols. They don't have one-to-one equations. They're archetypes. They have many different faces. And if a birth chart is enough to fill up your whole life, like you, you don't get a new birth chart when you're whatever, at whatever age, because you did the first one, right? There's enough there. So it's going to change. And I'm coming in at a moment And so, yeah, I mean, I think I do feel some imposter syndrome because I feel like sometimes people do want this authority figure Mm. and I'm not that. And so sometimes I'll kind of like feel my uncertainty, 
feel my insecurity about that of like, oh gosh, <laughs> like I don't, you know, you, you really want the answer for this mm-hmm. and I can help you clarify the question. I can help elucidate kind of the paradox that I see in the chart that could lead to that question. I can help provide kind of like timing on that question. Like, you know, you'll be, it looks like this thing will be active for two years or another couple months or whatever. But I, you know, I don't have the like vending machine of answers. But I think the other piece to that is, um, is meeting people where they are and really having respect for the journey that people are on and not wanting to save them from their suffering, so to speak. Um, My graduate degree at Pacifica was really based in depth psychology um, and the psychoanalytic and Jungian traditions. And they have a lot of reverence for the time that we spend in the dark Um, and kind of the gifts that that offers us. Um, And so there's a piece of like, I want to be with you in the questions. Um, And I don't think that you need to do it alone. I don't think it's super helpful to do it alone. Um, but I also don't want to rip you out of your context by like giving you an easy answer. Um, but I think, okay. And then maybe the final piece of that. So that comes to meeting, meeting people where they are. And so, yeah. So where I find myself holding, holding myself back is not wanting to get ahead of people. Mm not wanting to speak about their placements, not wanting to like, right. If they're just getting an understanding of their Mars and that's like coming into being, I don't want to rip it out of their hands and do it for them and then give them back something that is foreign to them. Right. Yeah. Um, So it's really kind of attuning with whoever is with me and, and I make mistakes with that. Yeah. I, I misjudge. I say, I get, really enthusiastic and get totally carried away <laughs> Yeah. occasionally. And I apologize and, you know, yeah. it's relational right? To, to the extent of my abilities. Yeah, for sure. I, it's interesting how different, I mean, obviously like, so we're all coming from different places. Our interest in astrology all sort of got created out of a different place and our desire to counselor to help people comes from different places um it's interesting I I think I'm super I've had a lot of really fucked up experiences in this realm like I like there's a myriad of people and teachers and like it's been I would say it's been like mostly bad actually (laughs) like as you know at least as far as like when I was learning and stuff I think I'm a little bit better in terms of discerning now you know, what are the sort of safe spaces here? Like, who are the people Mm -hmm. that I really can trust? Um, I think I just sort of assumed that everyone was going to be coming to it in a similar way that I was, which was like 
cautious and again like holding that responsibility and approaching it with like a great deal of humility but of course any I mean it's not just astrology it's like any therapeutic it's like full of narcissists you know um yeah yeah. healers yeah (laughs) when people call themselves healers it's like oh that's such a red flag for me yeah 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 and it's I'm Again, though, it's like I can see how maybe this type of thing, having those kinds of experiences and constantly running into like actual legit imposters might push someone away from this space. And I actually feel I feel more motivated, like I feel more motivated to be like to parse through, Okay, like what was it about this specific person or this specific experience that wasn't didn't sit well with me and like what was the part that did and sort of like every time I hit that wall like getting closer and closer and closer you know um to the point now where I sort of like enjoy that challenge of of like oh wow okay like when I was a student this thing that my teacher did was really bothersome to me but now I'm teaching and it's like a slightly like I might be doing a similar thing but it's in a slightly different context and it's like this interesting puzzle to sort of be like okay so what was it about that experience that was actually not okay um yeah yeah for sure yeah so many experiences with that I think I came from a little bit of a different space so um, with it where I've always kind of been in the space of like wanting to really challenge my teachers, like not taking them seriously unless I can like, right. like fight them, not in like, like, you know, like I want your position to come from so much thought and so much understanding and so much responsiveness. And I want you to take your role as a teacher so seriously that you are going to show up for me as a student. And basically what that's meant is that I've done a lot of self-study. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I kind of try to internalize that um, because, yeah, I think, you know, I think I am better at discernment at this point as well but yeah it's uh it's hard to be right like I mean I just think there used to be real apprentices and real mentors and now everything is a workshop yeah and what I what I miss Mm -hmm. from that kind of sense like I don't know that I've ever truly experienced it so whatever I'm I'm not sure how I miss it but right it resonates in me right those are archetypes they're real Mm -hmm. I have some kind of felt sense of them um is the importance of the dyad of like mentors caring not just about their study or their work or their expertise but also about you and like growing a practitioner um, 
as a way that kind of the integrity of the knowledge and the practice gets passed on instead of just like, I'm going to spray it and you can do whatever you want with it. And like, maybe I'll get back to your email. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel like a deep, deep desire to be mentored and to have a mentor. And I, it's like, what are you supposed to do? Like, like let me go on Craigslist and like post it, you know? And even, even if there are people that I could see maybe doing that, it's like, we're so far from understanding what that structure is or what that looks like. And like, am I paying you? Or are you doing this because like you want to be doing this and you want to teach people in the way that you were taught? And yeah, you want to pass, pass down this lineage. It's like, such a foreign concept to us now. Um, but I share a lot of those same feelings. Um, okay. So let's talk about Saturn a little bit. (laughs) I was debating whether to like define what planetary returns are before we talk about Saturn. I don't know which one to do first. Do you have a thought about this? (laughs) Um, yeah, well, maybe, yeah, let's let's do planetary returns because in some ways that's a much simpler answer. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's like the short yeah. the short little piece of information. Um yeah, so shall I just do it? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So planetary returns have to do with how long it takes a planet to go all the way around the zodiac. So all the way through all the zodiac signs and then for birth charts that's really about how long it takes it to go all the way around and come back to your natal position. So when you're born, all the planets are in some place. Your birth chart is kind of a map of that. So you have every planet and they all move at different speeds around the zodiac. So they all take different amounts of time to go all the way around and come back to their natal position. And so that cycle through the zodiac is an adventure for that planet. It's gathering knowledge, it's offering experiences, it's going to form aspects with everything in your birth chart. So it's going to be working kind of the story of itself and the story of all the pieces of your birth chart in that cycle. And so when it comes back around, there's a kind of it's finished a story and it's beginning another story. Yeah. Is there anything you Yeah, I you want to add to that? Um yeah. yeah, I sort of I see it in the same way. I use the metaphor of ripples a lot. Um it, it there's a awesome quote that I always forget exactly, but like returning to the same place and seeing it for the first time kind of a thing. Mm. Um, oh yeah. Wendell Berry. Yes. yes. <laughs> Is that the one? Yeah. yeah. I love that quote. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. And I think like a lot of people don't even know that their birthday is a solar return. Right. So it's like that, like the whole, the sun takes a year to complete that cycle. So your birthday is when the sun returns to the place in the sky that it was when you were born. Um, But that happens for every planet. And depending on the cycle of that planet, that can take anywhere from um, a month with the moon or Mm -hmm. 250 years (laughs) about with Pluto. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I think that's true. And I, I guess, you know, let's say maybe unlike other 
conjunctions where, you know, let's say like Saturn is hitting Mars in your chart, a planetary return is like the same archetype. It's a lot of that archetype. Um, so it makes mm. uh, the the energy there is is quite potent. And obviously it's specific to the sign and the house that you have it in and what aspects it's forming. But there's a lot of it, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Yep, there's a lot of it. <laughs> um, so Saturn, so let's talk about Saturn's return. Yeah, let's talk about Saturn. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so obviously we're talking about when Saturn returns to the point in your chart uh, that it was mm-hmm. when you were born. And I'll let you take it from there. Yeah. So for a really long time, Saturn was the farthest out planet that we knew about um, until we discovered Uranus. But even so, Saturn is the furthest visible planet, although Uranus, the rebel, sometimes is visible, but nobody noticed it for a really long time, so... And what kind of, what Saturn holds in that role is kind of the boundary of the known universe. And so we kind of take this system of boundaries, and that's really what Saturn is about, boundaries of everything. So, you know, the limitations of our physical bodies. Saturn's also called the Lord of Time, right? The time. Time imposes a lot of limitations. And there's this kind of way in which Saturn is kind of thought of as the relentless march forward of linear time. Um, Because when you compare it with the moon, the moon goes through the zodiac very quickly, um, forms a cycle in a month, Um, and there's this kind of easy ebbing and flowing, whereas Saturn is this, was the slowest planet, um, also called the leaden planet. Um, and part of Saturn is the kind of melancholia of things not happening very quickly. Um, traditionally, I think, you know, Saturn got a lot of I think basically Saturn used to have everything that Uranus has and everything that Neptune has and everything that Pluto has. And then we kind of divided it up. Mm. Um, We, sure, I was there. (laughs) Um, As a tradition, it got divided up. But I think it has kind of like this cold existential quality that Pluto has of like, in the context of everything, you don't matter too much. And that, so it has this depressive, depressive quality for sure. Um, and can show up as pessimism, can show up as fear. Um, but it's, it's kind of the fear of like, are things worth doing or not? It's not kind of the like, the way I think of Plutonian fear, which is like the nightmare of falling forever. Yeah, like, like Saturn. existential, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. Like you'll hit the ground with Saturn, sometimes repeatedly. 
(laughs) just be held on the ground (laughs) yeah you're just smushed into the ground yeah the gravity of Saturn is like here's the ground (laughs) don't forget it um and Saturn is the archetype of the elder and of kind of maturity it rules traditionally it rules both Capricorn and Aquarius those are kind of the two signs in the dead of winter where when you kind of look around the least amount of biological vitality at least in the northern hemisphere um, is happening so there's a kind of slowness with Saturn And so those are kind of some of the heavier things that get laid at Saturn's feet. Um, I have a super Saturnian chart. And so I feel like I I also really experience the warmth of Saturn, which is um, the structure that underlies underlies everything. that can be harsh, but actually holds you. Um, I think the way that time heals us, if we kind of just keep going, what turns, it turns out that actually things don't say the same. And I think, right, what we find is that though Saturnian time appears linear, it isn't actually, it is still cyclical, like everything in astrology. So we can kind of feel like we're, we're stuck trying to move forward. And yet even Saturn returns to our natal position um, when we're about 29 years old. Is there anything that we should... I missed with yeah. Saturn well, from it, from my Mars friend. <laughs> it was it's interesting to think about actually. I I think that Saturn is sort of the antidote to the thing that you were saying that makes you feel like nauseated by like the you know <laughs> like floating up into the rainbow shit. You know, like I think <laughs> I and I I share a lot of that too. There's you know, I, I don't, I didn't t- learn that much or think that much about the planetary joys um, until after mm-hmm. our apprenticeship and mm-hmm. learning and really like leaning into the fact that Saturn's joy is in the 12th house, which is yeah. Pisces house was, was really fascinating to me. And I, I've actually also, and this is probably going to be like more advanced than people are thinking about but I I've played around like my Mars is rising above my ascendant so I have a late Aries ascendant and so if you're using a whole sign house that puts Mars in my first but in a quadrant house system it puts it in the 12th um and either way if you have planets above the ascendant even if you're using whole sign I think they do they can often manifest Mm -hmm. with a 12th house quality um so I, I, I feel like that was sort of a revelation to me to like, I feel like my life is all about like, how do I take the spiritual realm and bring it into the earthly realm? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the magic. It's not 
trying to get <laughs> up to the sky. It's like, how do I take the sky and bring it down? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think I'm, I love Saturn in that respect because it does, it allows things to have form in the, in the real mm-hmm. world, you know? Yes. Um, so, yeah, I think the, and I agree, there's like structure can feel both limiting, but also, you know, because we are human and we live on Earth, things need structure. Um, and I think Saturn can create structure, the structure of a lot of sort of metaphysical things as well. But it really like, who yes. cares about the metaphysical things if they don't have a structure? Um, so, yeah, I think that's, and, and maybe, um, yeah, no, I think that that's pretty pretty much covers it it's interesting I I haven't maybe thought about this until today actually I mean I've told this story a hundred times but it was actually Saturn that got me and probably for a lot of people but it was Saturn that got me into astrology someone told me I was in my Saturn return and I was like what is that um and that's what led me to find all these podcasts and so yeah that's I do I think Saturn's a guide um, you know, maybe like that teacher that you don't love to like, that's sort of super real with you. And it's like a pain in the ass, but then you like, you know, five years later, like, Oh, I'm so grateful for that teacher who taught me all those things, even though it was difficult at the time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I have the same, situation with Saturn that you have with Mars of that it's um in a whole sign house it's it's in my first house and if I use a quadrant house system it's in the 12th Fascinating. <laughs> but even um even in whole sign houses because it's at zero degrees of the sign it is really the boundary between my first and 12th house and I see it as really because my 12th house is Capricorn and my first house is Aquarius and Saturn rules both of that signs it's really the taskmaster of of how things are gonna come in to me from the 12th house um it really is that boundary um but I also I wanted to include that I think the way that you're speaking a little bit about kind of the spiritual manifest in reality is part of the Neptune in Capricorn yeah. that basically all millennials have. It's kind of definitional to a generation. Um, and I just see that Neptune, right, that in many other signs wants to kind of drift off Um you know, like for, for instance, we've had Neptune and Pisces since 2011. And that is basically the timing of the opioid crisis. Um, there's a way in which Neptune wanting to numb things and escape from things, which is kind of the shadow of this, of the kind of spiritual drive. Um, in Capricorn, it's, it runs into Saturn. Um, and it's like, oh, the numinous is just like right here. <laughs> yeah. Like go 
look at that tree, not the idea of that tree, like that actual tree. Right. You're locked in. You're locked into reality. Yeah. 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 And a lot of people my age, I was an exception because Saturn went retrograde back into Sagittarius Mm -hmm. when I was born. But a lot of people, most people like in my little, you know, the two, two years before Mm -hmm. after I was born, after I was born mostly where it was all Capricorn. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was interesting too, because I think there's obviously Saturn ruling Capricorn. I mean, and Aquarius, you have Saturn. Oh yeah. Right. At the beginning of Aquarius. Um, So yeah, let's talk about, let's talk about Saturn returns. Um, Yeah. So it happens twice. Well, or yeah, twice. Um, But really I think the most potent and the one that is probably most relevant to all of you listening is the first one, Um, which is, yeah, let's, I'll have you take the lead. Yeah. So Saturn returns. So I actually looked this up right before we started this conversation. The like mean time that it takes Saturn to go all the way around is 29.45 years. Um, But as you say, because planets have retrogrades and stuff, that doesn't mean that like on the day you turn 29.45 years old, that's your Saturn return. Right. Odds are Saturn's not going to be at the same degree as it was when you were born. And so there's this kind of, mm, yeah, this kind of debate about when, when does the Saturn return start? When is it over? Kind of, right? Because we, we often talk in astrology about like things happening on a certain day, right? Like, you know the great conjunction when Saturn and Jupiter conjoined back in December was like one day. But when we're talking, especially about these outer planets that move so slowly, it's really about kind of qualitative time that is much more than one day. So it will kind of tone like a year or even three years when we're talking about Saturn of your life of this kind of feeling and this percolation and, and the lead up to your Saturn return. So kind of, you know, let's just say like 25, ages 25 to 27, thereabouts, you feel the pressure of Saturn starting to mount. So it's come all the way around your chart and it's starting to kind of come home and that Saturn cycle is starting to come home. Um, And so you start feeling that pressure and then, you know, our astrology teacher talked about Saturn returns beginning at your 10,000th day of life. Um, I forgot about that. (laughs) Clearly I've not thought about it at all. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I'm kind of there because, like, I can kind of feel that. The 10,000th day of your life is actually the exact day pretty much for everyone of their progressed lunar return, which is a different transit that kind of happens Mm. around the same time. But So I can kind of see it beginning almost, like, with that transit. But, you know, my chart was an interesting case because I've heard kind of the alternative to that is that your Saturn return begins 
when Saturn enters the sign you have Saturn in. Right. But for me, I have Saturn at zero degrees of Aquarius. Right. So And I have it at 26 degrees of Sagittarius. So it's like we're like that, that there's no way that applied to me. Like <laughs> my Saturn no, return like, did not yeah. begin like many, like two years earlier. No. <laughs> two years before. Yeah. yeah. And mine began well before the exact moment of it. Right. Um yeah, so I can kind of feel those years building up. And I remember Austin Kopic saying to me when he looked at my chart, which I was around 27 when that happened. No, I was 26. But he said, you'll feel like you should have it all figured out by the time that you have your Saturn return. But actually, you won't because you need what you learn during your Saturn return to kind of make that happen. And so... There's this kind of way I kind of see the the exact hits. So like Saturn hitting, in my case, like zero degrees and 41 arc minutes of Aquarius. Those happened on specific days. And in a lot of ways, they were pretty aligned with like moments of Saturn return type stuff. Um, but... Yeah, but I kind of see the rest of Saturn's time in Aquarius as, like, me integrating that stuff. So, like, I would say, even though I've had all th all three of my exact hits of my Saturn return, because Saturn moved forward over it, retrograded back, moved forward again, um, I think I'm still kind of in it, but there's no way that I could have the year that I just had again. Like too many things right. happened. Yeah. So let's talk about, I guess I sort of feel the need to like generalize. Like if someone were to say to you, like, what does a Saturn return feel like? What might it look like mm -hmm. to sort of give a general description, but then maybe we should go into our individual experiences to show how <laughs> different um, these things really can show up. Yeah. Yeah. So I think... Um, so one of my professors in college and he was like this ornery guy, like I, I bet he is Saturn in Aquarius. Anyway, he looked around at us and we're like all these 18 year olds sitting there. And he said, like, you guys think you're so fucking lucky because every door is open to you in your life. You're going to learn that life is about slamming doors shut. <laughs> And I feel that way about the Saturn return in some ways because there's like this, I think in a general sense, what is basically true for everyone is that you will, you realize you're not going to live forever and that actually you don't have like the energy to do everything that is possible and you're going to have to reconcile with your own earthly limitation and what that means whether you are bound whether you can't do and everything because your body's going to give out or you can't do everything because you know we don't have infinite money we don't have infinite time and so it's going to ask you well demand it's not really you know the benefics venus jupiter are like hey do you want to do this <laughs> saturn and mars are like kicking down your door like come on we're going in very different ways. Um, 
But yeah, it's asking you to make some commitments about what you really care about. Um, and if you don't know, it's going to it's gonna be a rough time of kind of figuring that out. And even if you do know, right, you may know. And if you're not taking action about it, there will be like, it's like you, yeah, this kind of sense of like the game part of this is over now. Like this is real life. Right. Yeah, it's um, initiatory. I think. And, yeah. and I think that's also why we are, so many people are so unprepared or underprepared because we don't have proper initiations anymore. Um, yeah. And we don't have containment for initiations. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, right. One of the things that people say about Saturn returns and that I think is really true is that it will change your role. Like it changes your roles in life. So kind of whatever roles you had before that, they're going to be different. Yeah. And that can be traumatic or that can be liberating, but. Or both. And often both. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, And I think the other thing that was super potent for me about it was, I mean, because I'm such a Mars ruled person, like patience was not something I was very good at at all. And that period of time was like, like you're not in control of the timeline. Like this Saturn takes as long as Saturn wants to take. And Mm -hmm. there's some like Trevor Hall lyric that's like, the harder you push, the harder it pushes back. And that, that felt so much like my Saturn return to me. It was just like, like you're literally, you want to push the brick wall and it's just like laughable that you're trying to speed up the timeline. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I mean, it's interesting as like for people that are more on sort of the manic (laughs) end of the spectrum, Mm -hmm. um, experiencing that level of like heaviness and weight, Mm -hmm. it's like very depressive. Um, Mm -hmm. That was something I definitely you know, and I think those are both, you know, um, grandiosity and depression, I think are just sort of like two sides of yeah. the same coin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but for someone who's more on the grandiosity side, Saturn can be just like, are you kidding me? Like, I really, I can't, I, just, I can't keep moving. Like, what do you mean? You're not a hero. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's. It's uh it's a very gray day. Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny. I'm like <laughs> I have Saturn in my first house. Saturn ruled chart. Saturn rules my north node. So Saturn. I was like So in some ways there's a little bit, you know, someone said to me once I can't remember who it was, but they said, you know, people with Saturn in the first house, the Saturn returns can open them up to their joy. Mm. And there's this kind of way. I mean, I definitely have manic parts of my chart um, that are very active. And I definitely like, you know, 
did a lot of stuff like, um, but Saturn has really always manifested really strongly as cautiousness for me, this kind of obsessive cautiousness. Um, and yeah. And so there's this kind of way in which like it coming back and seeing kind of like all this stuff that I didn't realize how hard I was working for kind of come into fruition a little bit. Um, and actually it kind of feels like first Saturn was outside of me Mm. and now kind of Saturn lives inside of me. Like I used to feel like a victim so much of my fear or my consciousness or my pessimism and my more depressive qualities. And you'll find this with like Saturnine children. Like I was, I was like a spookily depressed child. (laughs) Like, like I've always kind of laughed and there's other things in my chart that speak to this, but like fun is my growing edge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and so, yeah, the Saturn return is like a little bit like, okay own that stuff like okay and there's a way in which it's kind of yeah and we can get into this but this experience of like take yourself seriously more seriously and be less dramatic about it yeah like cut the performative taking yourself seriously which I think we would call grandiosity yeah this kind of like everyone's looking at me experiencing everything and I'm going to do it in such a way that they're going to be whatever they're going to be inspired, but they're going to be looking at me and Saturn is kind of like, stop. Yeah. (laughs) Who do you really want to be in the world? Yeah. Actually work at that. Right. Yeah. And what are you really capable of? I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I think like people are always really, sort of shocked to correlate like the forever 27 club with Saturn returns, which Mm. makes a lot of Mm. sense, but it's like the shit you think you can get away with in your twenties, no matter what it is, you know, if it's a drug addiction, if it's severe depression, if it's like total grandiosity, I mean, it could be anything. It's the lies we're telling ourselves, the games we're playing, the complete Mm -hmm. lack of shadow integration, whatever it is it's like a hard stop. And sometimes that stop is mm-hmm. so hard that it's like, like you literally cannot go on living like this. Um, yeah. Like it's, it, it, I mean, not to like freak anyone out, but I do think the reckoning is that intense. Like it catches up yeah. with you. Yeah. It is a reckoning. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to talk a little bit about... <sighs> Your Saturn the best return. time in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, in a certain yeah. lens. <laughs> no, it it was. I'm so grateful for it. Actually, uh, didn't feel that way at the time, but um, yeah, type two fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I did the same thing. I went back, at, or I, I looked at when Saturn like exactly hit the degree of my Saturn, and those days there were three of them. Um, 
those days were definitely super prominent. I, I feel like for me, like my Saturn return didn't really start. It started maybe like three months before the exact first, the first exact conjunction. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weird thing to for me too that's worth mentioning is that I have. I have pretty much an exact conjunction between Saturn and Uranus, which are very interesting energies to have together. Plus they're in a grand trine with my ascendant and my son again, like pretty exact. Um, And, and during that Saturn return, Uranus by transit was also right on my ascendant. So it was trining so like trining my natal Uranus, yeah. it was like so, and they're all in fire. And they're signs. all in fire signs in the late degree. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, crazy, crazy. Like last decade of fire signs. Um, so I remember at some point. I mean, I got so many readings during that time, um, but I do remember someone saying to me, like, "Yes, you're going through your Saturn return, but actually, like these other transits might be even showing up even more, sort of significantly." Um, oh, and and there was that that big solar eclipse uh, mm-hmm. on, in twenty seventeen yeah. on my sun. So it was just like a non-stop yeah. attack of like super super. Um, and I have an ascendant moon opposition, so like it was like every part of my chart was undergoing a siege. Um, so I think my specific it sounds like almost like arson. It was really <laughs> crazy. Oh, it was. I mean, and, and, like, the, the weirdest part to, to me too was that like during that period of time, my face broke out into like the most severe acne like you could ever imagine. I mean, it was the 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 literal manifestations of these archetypes was like, okay, I get it. Like, you will be inflamed. I'm burning. Like, okay, fully get it. Um, so I, I think because of, uh, because of that Uranus stuff specifically, I do think my Saturn return was like, had a traumatic edge to it that maybe mm-hmm. not all Saturn returns have. Um, but yeah, I, like a few months before that direct <clears throat> um, conjunction, the first one decided I was going to get a divorce and basically like when that happened when I decided I need to get a divorce what I envisioned was like my life would literally not change aside from the fact that I would no longer be married so it's like talk about thinking you're just gonna continue getting away with shit it was like oh yeah yeah yeah. I'm just gonna like take this one little thing out but like nothing else will change um and basically every single thing changed um and it wasn't what I had expected And, you know, I think I spent basically, I I spent one full year in total isolation. I mean, that's for me really how it manifested. It was like, all I wanted to do was go out in the world and distract myself. And Saturn was like holding me down on my floor. I mean, that's completely how it felt. Um... And at a certain point, I just, I mean, pretty early on, like I had gotten this intuitive reading from like a family friend and she mentioned this thing about Saturn returns. And so I researched Saturn returns and the description of what Saturn returns were like, no, I felt like they were, it was reading my mind. It was just like, this is a really intense time in your life, but it's going to teach you about all these things and you're going to come out of this hopefully 
having integrated these lessons and like, this is a really hard period of time. And I, I, I mean, what the fuck else was I supposed to do? I mean, it was sort of like, I feel like the experience you had when your boyfriend died of like, within two seconds, I was, I believed in God. It was like, <laughs> there's, there, I didn't have this spiritual practice at all. I was pretty agnostic. I like, didn't really care. Um, I knew nothing about astrology and, the first thought that I had when all this shit started was like, this is the worst, this is the worst feeling I've ever had, but I know I'm supposed to be here. Like this is, this is horrific, but there was something that just made me feel like, no, okay, this is horrible, but this is still the path. Like this is the path you're on. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, my entire life, um, transformed. And when you said that thing about your role, like that very much happened to me. I mean, I went from being like a married housewife in San Diego with a food blog to a not married, um, like astrologer and podcaster who talked about trauma I mean like and of, and of course like all of those things that I quote unquote became like that was always me you know uh, yeah I mm -hmm. Saturn brought me back to me it didn't it didn't change me so much as it yeah forced me to take off the masks that I was wearing mm -hmm. um and yeah, I wanted I wanted desperately to speed it up. I mean, I think that was one of the hardest parts. Time went so slow and I was so alone and you know, the acne thing was fascinating because like that was really the main reason that I wasn't going out because I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. And at a certain point I actually it was very quickly, relatively quickly. I was like okay, so I'm getting the message that I'm supposed to stay inside. <laughs> um, and I'm supposed to slow down. And, and then, of course, obviously, like, I started learning about astrology and was taking the apprenticeship and all of that. It became very clear to me. And I, I realized how much my speed and my own grandiosity and my manic behavior were distractions and just fucking exhausting. Like, I just feel like my Saturn return was a recovery process from, yeah, like the longest surgery of all time or something. Like, it, I just needed to rest. Um, <laughs> the surgery that lasted the entirety of my 20s. Um, yeah, I needed to rest. And I think for me, like, Saturn you know, I feel like there were so many times in that, in the beginning of the process where I was like, okay, I figured it out. I'm done now. Like, <laughs> got it, got the message. Um, and it, it, it's almost like the amount of time that it took me to heal made me realize the significance of like the energy expenditure. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it was like, something like if you have like a parasite infection, right? Like, and you take medication or you do a cleanse and you get the parasites out, that's just step one. 
But then you have mm-hmm. to repair your digestive tract, which underwent all this damage from what the parasites did. So that was that was the part that I think was, you know, it wasn't like, okay, I get it. I'm supposed to do different things, but like, wait, but I really have to like sit here and integrate that for the next two years. Like, what are you talking about? That was hard, (laughs) but it was, I mean, it, I I mean, and that was the experience. And I I think, you know, it was interesting because I have a close friend of mine who I grew up with, who moved to LA, like right as my Saturn return started. And um, she knew a little bit about astrology, but sort of in the same boat as me, we didn't really know. And so she was learning astrology at the same time I was learning astrology and she's, she is a Capricorn stellium and she's an Aquarius. Um, and we have like an exact Mars Saturn square. And she was the only person we've, we've had a lot of difficulty in our relationship, um, but yeah, but she was the only friend that I saw really in that, in that first year, um, And it's like she sort of became the physical manifestation of Saturn in a lot of ways, uh, in a way that before, like when I was unaware of it, was really frustrating to me, but eventually became like this ongoing joke between us. You know, like I wanted to get rid of rid of my couch and she was like, but what about the old people? I was like, oh my God. I was like, I just want pillows on the floor. I want to, I want to redo my whole living room. She's like, but where are the old people going to sit? It's just like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) is the most um so that was you know and and like you know we'd be we'd be at an intersection or something like where there were a lot of cars going by and I was like I hate this like I hate I have to sit here it's like oh it's so annoying there's so and she's like well the trick here she literally was like the trick here that I've learned is just be patient like eventually you'll be able to go so it was a lot of stuff like that that like it just became very clear, like what Saturn was, what the lessons were I needed to learn, what kind of energy I needed to integrate into my life. Um, and yeah, I mean, we can talk about the integration at the end, but, um, you know, and, and Saturn like built shit for me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think because I have that conjunction with Uranus too, it's like, I have really big ideas. Like I have grandiose dreams. <laughs> like they're very like, av- trining your Leo sun. Yeah, what? yeah. It's like very like avant-garde. Um, and for my whole life, I got a lot of like, that sounds nice, but be realistic kind of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, of course, during the Saturn return, a lot of that came to fruition of like, be realistic. But also, I realized how powerful a tool Saturn was in actually allowing me to manifest the sort of big Mm -hmm. ideas. Once I got real with myself, once I was honest with myself, then the manifestation shit worked. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah, but Saturn, like, as a builder... Um, a constructor of things like I love that Um, and I'm really grateful for it so that was my Saturn return (laughs) what about you (laughs) well it's harder for me to kind of put a date on exactly kind of when mine started because I was going through a pretty intense Saturn transit before that Mm. so in some ways they kind of like blend together and so that was 
I have my North Node in Capricorn and Saturn rules Capricorn. And so I was going through the first time because Saturn moves more slowly than anything. Saturn was transiting my North Node for the first time in my life. And so North Nodes have to do with, I think, in a really simple way, like the story that you're trying to write with your life. I kind of consider mine like my obsession point. Like I am obsessed with my North Node. And I've got, I have four planets on, I have, I have Neptune, Uranus, Lilith, and Juno all on conjunct my North Node. Anyway, all that matters is like, it's a big party. It's a big part. I think other people can want to like not be in the 12th house. And I like, I can't help. I can't help myself. Yeah, we both have. So we both have this. We have nor- both of our North Node yeah. in the 12th. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Things are making 12th. sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I had Saturn transiting my 12th house, which, you know, somebody, an astrologer said to me, like, pick the beams that are holding up your house that you want to be here at the end because Saturn transiting your 12th house they're all going to come down. And um, that was true in a way, but I also feel like I can't totally trust people's descriptions of Saturn who don't have like a chart that is so in love with Saturn like mine is because there's a little bit more gentleness, I feel like, in the way that Saturn happens for me. And so that is because... My chart ruler is Saturn. My north node is ruled by Saturn. I have Saturn in rulership, angular. It's so powerful. Austin Kopic said that it fulfilled like the, in Geotish, so in Vedic astrology, like I would qualify to be like a Saturn avatar. Mm. And so when you were talking about your friend, like (laughs) being like Saturn in your Saturn transit, I have done... I mean, whatever. It's grandiose to say that you were someone's Saturn tra- transit, but I can point to two different people that like I got really close to during their Saturn returns. And then like not so much yeah. afterwards of like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like Saturn moved in. Like yeah. one of my good friends, we were roommates for the year that he had all three hits of his Saturn return. <laughs> And, you know, at the end of it, though, he, like, you know, that we're good friends. He said, like, that was the hardest year of my life. And I was like, oh, thanks. (laughs) But whatever. That's what it is. So anyway, so I was going through that, like, really reconciling with my, with Saturn before that. And kind of clearing out the basement of my 12th house. And I was doing that through doing a three-year degree in counseling psychology and at Pacifica, one of the things that I think they get really right is that you do so much self-work. So there's like a, there's a therapy requirement that while you're in the program, you have to do 50 hours of personal therapy over the really two and a half year program. Um, And you write so many papers on your relationships, on yourself, on analyzing your family, on like integrating all of this information. So in some ways, like that transit, I think, took that form of like, oh, 
I'm like, I'm in my 12th house, which I think is where we kind of stick the psychological junk that we don't want to deal with in some ways. It's kind of the dark night of the soul house, very soulful, not so fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and so what happened was I ended up, so I moved from where I was living. I moved because my partner got a job and, um, and I was in my final year of graduate school in a low residency program. So I was traveling there anyway. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. I can go anywhere for a year. And I was thinking like, oh, it'll just be a year and we'll just like, whatever. I can go live in literally one of the most geographically isolated places in the lower 48. Although I feel like you kind of give me a run for my money <laughs> yeah. with where you are now. <laughs> <a> similar, <laughs> um, yeah. So I moved to rural Idaho up in the mountains and um, I got a job and at first this job looked like great and it was kind of like, yes, I'm like coming into the world. Like, look, here's my first, like, not my first real job, but my first like professional counseling job. And almost immediately, it was totally brutal. And, um, and I had agreed to work part-time because I was still finishing my graduate degree and I was writing my master's thesis. And then like a week later, someone quit and they asked me to work full-time and I agreed. So here I was, okay, I'm going to work full-time while I'm writing my master's thesis. And then I got pregnant. And so <laughs> that was not on purpose, although, right, I mean, there's a way in which the things that we desire at a soul level kind of just, like, come to us whether we're ready or not. And so in some ways, right, like, Saturn had moved in my life of, like, in this way of, like, uh, crippling imposter syndrome, totally crippled by my sense of my own insecurities, which I think, right, is really a lot of grandiosity. Our insecurities are, yeah, have a lot to do with our grandiosity. Um, and so I got pregnant, and there was a decision that needed to be made, and um. I had always wanted to be a mother. Um, and I don't have like any beliefs about like other people need to be moms. I don't have anything like this is not about mothering in general. It is that the, I remember when I was three years old and I was at daycare and there was like an 18 month old baby. And I was just like, I just remember realizing that I wanted to be a mom and I went home from daycare that day and I told my mom that I wanted to be a babysitter <laughs> when I grew up and she was like, okay. But anyway, so, so the, the only point of that is that it was a really, really deep wish and it came at a really, really difficult time. And, um, 
and Saturn was exactly in my north node and I felt like the question that was being asked is like are you going to commit to the things that you want even though they're like not figured out right you're like mm. at the end of graduate school you have this job that is not good you I was still in a fairly new relationship at that point um and kind of you know I chose to have the baby but I feel like that choice was also like a commitment to myself of like okay you know we're not gonna wait for like perfect timing like this is this is the time um and yeah this real commitment of like whatever this takes like I'm here for it um, and I think part of that is this understanding of Saturn that, you know, I think we're kind of sold this kind of formula of like, we can do all the right work and then everything will be ready at the right time. And if we just work hard enough, then you just like plug and chug the formula of your life. And like, it looks like how it's supposed to look. But I think when my boyfriend died, that transit, um, was my Uranus square I was 21 broke that formula for me and I got this sense of like oh my god like the stuff that we want to do like we really need to be doing it yeah and I kind of have I have a Mars that is basically the biggest problem with my Mars is that I almost don't have one like the ability to like make a decision and take action. Like, Where's your Mars? So my Mars is in Libra in the ninth house. So it's in detriment. It's ruled by Venus who is retrograde. So doesn't really know what she wants. She's square to Pluto. So I'm terrified of the things that I want. And then my Mars is square to Uranus and trying to Saturn. So there's this way in which when it does take action, it's like <laughs> huge. Yeah. And Saturn is almost always like, why would we do that? Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but I decided to go ahead. And that was, that was a really hard decision, right? I mean, I was kind of in between a rock. I was in between the wall of Saturn and a hard place. Um, because what ended up happening was I was going through the first trimester of my pregnancy, which is like for people that haven't been pregnant, like you like live in a fog. It's like, I've never been so tired in my whole life. And I was working full time and I was trying to like write the most important piece of writing in my academic career. And, um, you know, that decision to go forward with the pregnancy was really, really tough on my relationship. So we were really, that was a really rocky space. So I was, I had never been so frightened, so alone. I was working in this really intense environment. I was working in a um, domestic violence crisis center, which is not the first job to get when you move to a town for the first time. 
I'm like, wow. It's like, do you want to see the scariest stuff that happens in this place? Right. <laughs> like, right. Here you go. So, yeah. Um, so Saturn, that's what, that's what we did. And, um, it was really, really dark and that kind of being, being on the ground was definitely part of that. But that was also the end of Saturn and Capricorn for me. And once it kind of popped out, um, into Aquarius, um, which it did in March. So it was, um, mid-March a year ago. I finally, I reached this point with my job where I was so terrified to quit because I didn't want to lose my health insurance while I was mm-hmm. pregnant. Um, and I didn't know how I was going to like handle it. That also meant like, whatever, I'm halfway through my pregnancy. I'm like, who's going to hire me? I'm just going to leave again. And there's this way in which like the similar of like, oh yeah, I can be pregnant and all of this stuff can be changing inside of me. And I'm just going to like go from one job to the next job. And like life's not going to change, <laughs> you know, like even though like time doesn't work in my brain anymore, like time gets super weird when you're pregnant because yeah, I have thoughts on that, but I'll actually shut that door. <laughs> <laughs> gets super weird. Um, and Saturn moved into Aquarius and I quit that job. And, um, and I qualified for Medicaid, which was like a huge gift. Um, and we went into lockdown and my relationship kind of like smoothed out in terms of like, okay, we're actually doing this. Like I was like, you know, I was showing we found out um we found out the sex of the baby there was kind of like it became real as covid was happening we all went into lockdown and so i was kind of laughing when i was listening to your discussion of the isolation of saturn returns because i had that yeah like i didn't see anyone i moved to a new town and then I got pregnant and we went into lockdown. And so like, I was totally alone. You say at one point, like I put my hair up in a top knot for seven months. I'm like, that is true for my Saturn return too. It's the best thing I could have ever done for my hair. First of all, though, it's like the gift of patience. I was like, I never have to wash my hair again. Um, Yeah. And so, but so what happened was that I went from, oh, and then I finished my thesis and I graduated from graduate school. So I went from the most stressful period of my life, working full time in this super stressful environment, writing my master's thesis, finishing my degree and like my relationship being really difficult at the time. And then Saturn, like I had my Saturn return and suddenly like everything stopped. Like my master's degree was over. I graduated. I quit my job. Like suddenly I was like, like I was just staying home being pregnant all day. Like I was going on walks, but like I was alone. And, um, And it was this, I reconciled with how much I had 
always pushed myself to hurry in life. And I think maybe sensing this internal Saturn, I had always felt like I was catching up to people. Like I, like I need to finish. Like I went to college when I was 17 and graduated when I was 21. Like that was, I dissociated through so much of my life to tolerate how fast I was pushing myself to move through it. Um, I kind of like, I could not feel it because I never gave myself actually the time and space that I needed to feel it. And suddenly like everything stopped and it was like, here's the time now. How do you, how is this going to be different? And then also it was like, you know, staring down the barrel of motherhood and birth is like, really really crazy and so there was this kind of like okay my due date was in mid-July and we went into lockdown in mid-March and it's like how do I almost like how do I clear away the pieces of me that I don't want to be part of this next part but there it was less intention it was more of like how do I it was less of like I need to like use Mars and pull this mask off it was kind of like don't touch the mask and like Saturn will just like (laughs) like it'll just fall off if you're not holding it um and so then my Child was born at the end of July, and Saturn was really present in his birth. He was born right after um, a Cancer new moon that was at the very end of July that was opposite Saturn, and that showed up in my birth of, like, my birth lasted five days and was, like, the most it wasn't the most intense physical experience because basically nothing that was in my birth plan went to happen which is very common but like the doctors were doing so much and it took so long and they were kind of pushing epidurals so I was cut off from my experience of my birth in some ways, like my body was doing this really intense thing and I was kind of not there. And so I feel like that was part of my Saturn return because it's part of reconciling with my, with the limitations Mm. of my body and with, you know, and actually being okay with in the end, they wanted it to keep going. And I had not slept or eaten in three days. And I finally was like, I need a C-section. This has to stop. And I remember something that um, Joseph Campbell talks about. He's discussing the, the feminine hero's journey or the female version of the hero's journey. And I know that it's really controversial about like gender and everything and who participates in what hero's journey, but whatever, even if it's just the feminine part of you going through a hero's journey, he said that part of what the feminine 
does in the kind of initiation of the hero's journey is decide to limit their suffering. There's a way in which like Mars or the masculine like goes out and finds this initiation and finds this engagement with life and the feminine, it kind of overtakes us, right? Nobody's like, I'm going to go out and get my period. There's kind of this way in which like whatever this like female feminine experience engagement kind of happens with us. And so there was this way of like, oh, okay, there was my like little like bitch boy Mars finally like give me a season. <laughs> like I've decided this is enough. Yeah. Like I'm pushing myself as hard as my Saturn will do it. And um, I can't do it. Can't hang. And um, yeah, so that was the second pass of my Saturn return. I know it was a little bit after. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the third pass was um, December. And I feel like what those were kind of, right, those were kind of the take down the structures that existed. And then the final piece was like how to start building. Yeah. And for me, that looked like, so like before I was in graduate school and I also, at the beginning of graduate school, I was managing a farm and I was doing astrology. And there was this way that I could excuse myself from fully participating in anything because I had 25,000 things on my plate. Yeah. And I use that as a defense mechanism because like, whatever, it's naturally neurotic. And the way that I would kind of subvert that was to be like, but I'm doing all this stuff. And it totally worked. Like people totally bought it. Oh, people yeah. were like, wow, look at all this stuff that you're doing. <laughs> this is like, wow, look at you. And I, and I had such imposter syndrome with all of it. Like I never, I was never comfortable being called a farmer or an astrologer or like still not really like a healer or being in that world because I wasn't actually engaged with it in a way that to me had integrity. And, um, and so approaching the third pass of my Saturn return and kind of returning to the astrology practice as like, I kind of came out of the fugue of the newborn phase of like, what does this actually look like? And it was really approaching astrology in the slow Saturn structure building way Mm -hmm. of like, I'm not going to be amazing. Like I'm not going to like have whatever this whole practice that I actually didn't want because I was terrified of it. Like, no, I'm not going to like, I'm going to send, I'm going to write a newsletter and I'm going to send it out once a month. Yeah. And I'm going to do that every month. And it doesn't matter who reads it. Like, it doesn't matter if anybody reads it. Like, it's not about the audience. It's about the practice of it yeah. in myself. And it is about kind of, yeah, getting that Saturn inside of like, stop doing the stuff you don't want to do. Stop. I have a Leo stellium in my chart. And so there is a way in which there's like, so performance is such a big piece. Like I loved acting and this sense of like Leo, like I have to be special. And I think that's part of like the millennial kind of trope too. Mm -hmm there's this way in which like de-center yourself from your <laughs> life and like totally. 
and the, and it actually really helped me kind of settle in with my Virgo placements that like want to spend five weeks testing out focaccia recipes until I find the one that like I like instead of making things like once and then being like devastating that they're not brilliant the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, and then, <laughs> and then I got engaged. So it was like my Saturn return. Talk about the roles changing. Mm-hmm. Like I went from, <laughs> yeah, I went from, I like became a mom. I graduated with my master's degree. I wrote my master's thesis somehow that was all about identifying with stories that keep you stuck. Um, and how to kind of develop the curiosity about the other things that live inside of you as a way to get out of the one story that we identify with. Um, yeah. And then became a mom, decided to get married. So in some way it's like, it was like, okay, commit, commit to these things that you actually want, that you are so terrified of wanting because you're afraid of what that means about you. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah yeah it's I I had literally like my I think my divorce was finalized on my last passage of Saturn so that was like here I was thinking again I'd be like divorced in two days and it took almost two years like that was such a like okay like got it um and yeah it was I I was reminded when you talked about your newsletter like I started my podcast from a very like had been beaten down by Saturn and got it and respected it kind of a place. And I, I saw Saturn moving into Capricorn, like moving into my 10th house. And here I am starting this like business venture. And I just thought like, honestly, don't care. Like, don't care who listens to this, like could Mm -hmm. give zero shits about my listenership or popularity I didn't even like, I mean, and I spent 10 years working in marketing and I was like, not interested. I, I just, there was something about, and also like what you said about the authenticity piece, like this was the first time, I mean, I also, like, I have a lot of Virgo, a Virgo South node, Mercury and Virgo mm-hmm. with like every goddess. And like, there's a lot of perfectionism, neurotic stuff going on. Um, and it was so such a relief to just like like okay I'm gonna create this project if it succeeds great if it doesn't don't care because this is actually just fun and what I want to do and what I enjoy and every other thing that I've done in my life I've basically ruined for myself because I've made it this source of stress and overwhelm Um, and yeah, there were some things I remember, like I started writing horoscopes for my Patreon very early on and took me like a whole day to write like one month of horoscopes (laughs) or like more than a day after all the research, it took me just a day to write it. And I was like, I did it one time and I was like, nope, (laughs) can't do this anymore. You know, it just becomes very clear all of a sudden, like what's good, what's bad, what makes you happy, what doesn't, um, and yeah, the, the baby thing is is fascinating to me too, because I, right before I got divorced, it was very, I mean, 
my life is such that like everyone around me often thinks I make very impulsive decisions. <laughs> uh, and I think like, to some extent that's true. There's a lot of like percolating that's going on. That's not external necessarily. And so like, to me, it, sometimes it feels like a long time coming and for other people, they're sort of surprised by it. But mm-hmm. my husband and I were very much like, this was late. This was like late in, in 2016, I guess. And we were thinking about like, okay, in the spring we were going to like try to get pregnant. And that relationship was not healthy and I wasn't very happy, but it was like, I thought I was just doing what I was supposed to do and I'd made this choice. So I got to stick to it. And I think there was a lot of subconscious stuff of like getting out before I did that. Um, Yeah. And the idea that like Saturn can either like give us babies or convince us we shouldn't be having them (laughs) Um, just in sort of like the different expressions of that, you know, and like that initiation can look like so many different things for each person. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I want to say more about that. I think personally for me, it kind of had to do with the nodal opposition that I was going through at the same time. But Mm -hmm. yeah, Um, because some part of my body or some part of my psyche more was like, oh no, this is a tragedy. Like, you know, like, like, my parents are divorced, like, you know, just like, like the one thing that you wanted to get right in your life was like Mm. having kids in the right way. And like, here you are and you like messed it up and you either have to make this really hard decision or you have to like actually try for what you want. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, yeah. And I tried and you know what I was terrified of the most was that when I got it, I wouldn't actually want it. I was so terrified of that. And that just like, that didn't happen at all. I, I love it. I love being a mom. I like, and not like in this like obsessive, like I read every single parenting book. This is what I do now. Like I'm a whatever. Yeah. It's just like I found that the mother lived in me and was like, you know, was like ripe at the moment that that happened. Yeah. And it like, like too bad, Saturn. You don't have to live another tragedy. <laughs> like you don't get to live another tragedy. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, So I wanted to talk a little bit about like, you know, integrating Saturn versus not. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, I can't imagine, like, I don't understand how I could have resisted (laughs) my Saturn return. Yeah. So it's funny to me to think about like someone being able to resist it. But obviously, we're all made of different things and have different experiences um but I'd love to hear your thoughts on like 
what does it look like when someone doesn't integrate the Saturn return, doesn't integrate Saturn, and then how might that manifest during Saturn's second return? Um, And yeah, I mean, I think like, I don't know. I feel like I would have been one of those forever 27 people, like at least the way that I was going. I don't really understand how my body could have held on for much longer at that Mm -hmm. pace. And it's, it's pretty shocking to me to like, think about how unaware I was of how fucked up things were on like a physical level. Like now Mm -hmm. I, because I'm not in a constant state of anxiety, like I understand what that feels like, but because I lived there for so long, it just felt normal. Like I I kept trying throughout that whole, my whole Saturn return, like trying to convince people that like what I was going through wasn't that severe and that I shouldn't be, it shouldn't be manifesting this seriously. Like, like I should, and they were like, uh, okay. I can't really imagine a more traumatic time, but sure. Um, but yeah, like, I just feel like so on the integration side, like so much more chill and calm and trusting and like okay so I wanted this to happen now but it didn't happen got it like there's there's no more of that like I mean that doesn't mean I don't get frustrated or upset by things um but it feels a little bit like now my I'm just like on quaaludes like in a good way (laughs) it's just like yeah like just going with the flow like however long this needs to take I guess it's going to take. And I can't really even begin to explain like the pleasure in that. Just like the pleasure of just like allowing. Um, And yeah, I think anytime I feel the like, like right now, like I'm in the process of like, we're trying to figure out when and if we want to build something here and which land we want to build it on and there's this other land we really wanted and like we're really frustrated to get going but we didn't get it and so I mean I feel like this would this would have like wrecked me before you know like the the inability Mm -hmm. to control um and just sort of like letting Saturn take control is like great like (laughs) It's maybe not on my timeline, but at least I don't have to fucking manage this, you know? (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Well, I think kind of like one piece of it in terms of the integration piece is that some people will really only have one pass Hmm. of their Saturn return. So they'll only have one direct hit of the degree. And so I think that can make it kind of easier to ignore should we want to ignore it. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and that won't necessarily happen their, Saturn, their second Saturn return around the age of 58 um, is around when the next one happens. Um, so that can happen because, right, I mean, Saturn moves forward, retrogrades back. Sometimes it will skip certain degrees from from retrogrades. So, like, um, 
you know, the people that like had Saturn between like three degrees and almost seven degrees um, of Aquarius, they'll only get one pass of their Saturn return this time. So that can happen, but that's not to say that they won't have integrated it because also Saturn is in rulership now. And so there's a way in which in some ways it's more familiar Mm -hmm. to our current cohort of Saturn returnees. Um, But I think, right, to the extent that Saturn is structure and time, the Saturn return, wherever it occurs in your chart, is really building a foundation. And so there's some ways like, you know, the metaphor works well with my chart because the 12th house is kind of a basement. And I kind of see like, okay, like the Saturn returnee end of the 12th house transit is a little bit like, okay, I've repaired the foundation. So now I actually get to start working on the house again. Mm -hmm. And there's a way in which like, if your foundation doesn't get repaired in a core way, anything that you build on top of it is not going to be that stable. But I think, yeah, if we can tolerate the slowness and the patience and the slow intention of things um right that like I'm gonna start a podcast it doesn't matter who listens I'm gonna write a monthly newsletter even though I'm pretty sure no one's gonna read it and it's not about it's not about like people seeing what I'm doing it's about me doing this thing I think There's a quotation, I forget who said it, all endings are beginnings. We just don't know it at the time. Yeah. And the Saturn return feeling like this like massive ending. And sometimes like the beginning, it takes a slow start. And I think about that with the lunar cycle too, right? In some ways, it's a lot easier to tell the culmination of the full moon than it is when we're in the dark part of the month. Like, there's no, like, besides the mathematical models we have for it, there's no moment that you can tell looking outside of yourself that you've gone from a balsamic waning crescent dark moon to a new moon. Like, the moment of the new moon is really a mathematical construct that we give ourselves because in that space there's no line between the beginning and the ending. Um, and then I think kind of what you say, like, you don't have to Mars your way through your Saturn return. There's this kind of way in which like the, you can do as much as you want. You're not going to get through it faster. Like Mars can't hurry Saturn. Saturn's going to move at Saturn's pace. The things are going, you need time to build the structures and that is actually a gift because it spaces things out it allows you to heal it allows you to integrate things into the structure of your life and not just the facade there's a way much like right like 
things have to come to actually live inside of you instead of just like performing them on Instagram. Yeah. Which, you know, I mean, I think I'm not trying to hate on social media. I think it's a powerful tool to move ideas around and can be a connective space, but you have to have the foundation for, you have to, to understand at that core level and it has to hit that kind of core resonance with you of like, I can't do everything. These are the few things that I'm going to try and do. And you know what? I can actually trust the people around me to take care of their pieces if I can trust myself to work with patience and integrity on my piece. Yeah. Yeah, I like the foundation metaphor for sure, Um, which is why I was so grateful for all of that time. It's like, you know, you can't like truly in a literal way, <laughs> you don't want to rush through building the foundation of your house. Like it will collapse. And then it's like, when you have the strong foundation, then every, you can refer back all the time, you know, like I think about that with social media too. I mean, I used to be just like manically doing social media, not thinking about it. Like, Oh, okay. Now I'm supposed to like do reels or whatever the thing was, you know, <laughs> when, whenever yeah. I gave a shit about it. Um, it's like, it's such a, it's just like a pole of, like, everything can be referred back. Like, if I'm unsure about something, it's like, I'll just ponder this. But at least I worked so hard to build that foundation that this isn't so confusing anymore. It's it's a lot more clear what is in or out of my integrity. Like, what is too much versus not too much. Um what feels good versus what doesn't feel good. Um, Yeah. And you can allow yourself the time and space to actually tune in with that. Yes. Right. You don't feel like you're, yeah. Like trusting the timing, like that whole thing. Yeah. Like, holy crap. Um, That was not something I really understood before. And now, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, and it applies to literally, I mean, it applies to everything. I think about this, like, you know, in any project that I create, when I feel like, oh my God, I'm not doing it fast enough. Like someone else is going to do it before me. You know, if I don't get this person on my podcast by this date, like it's going to suck. And before that, yeah, again, like it just would have wrecked me and crushed me and made me like, I would lose a client and I'd have like a full on breakdown. Like I was totally out I didn't know how to manage the fact that I was out of control like that and the fact that I didn't know what it might be opening the door for and now that stuff happens and I'm like oh <laughs> like what is this gonna mean like might not figure it out for a while but it's mm-hmm. it's that yeah yeah I was like thinking I was writing something recently of the same thing that you were saying about endings and beginnings that conflict is not an ending but a beginning you know it feels like shit like something's coming to an end here and that might be true but it's only so that something else can start um yeah so I I sort of welcome I mean not like welcome conflict but I do welcome change because I was convinced so profoundly 
of where change leads. And <laughs> like, I didn't want to let go of my whole life. Like that didn't feel good. <laughs> but then I see now, four years later, like where I ended up and it's like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I'm yeah. so down. <laughs> so down. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of Saturn piece of like, if you just keep doing it, things change. Yeah. Um, you won't actually stay, stay stuck. Yeah. And looking back, I mean, looking back, I'm like, oh, I would have done that for like six years. Like that was not a big deal. I mean, in the moment I was like miserable, but I, yeah. but the amount of stuff that was created, create and birthed out of that, like I would truly go back and do it multiple more times. Like, like I had no, it was like, fine. Like I'm totally, <laughs> totally done. Um, yeah. So right. Type two fun. Yeah. So much fun. And I, I actually miss, like, there's a lot of stuff I miss about that period of time. Um, the isolation piece in and of itself, um, like is something I now have to cultivate in my life because I found such joy in that. Like I really, before that, like being alone for that long would have been really hard for me. And, um, I did real well. Like I, I could create all sorts of worlds <laughs> within my little cabin, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm grateful. And I, I, I try to bring, I mean, maybe, maybe not the traumatic parts of it, but I try to bring as, as many of those sort of like magical moments into my life now that I can um because like I uh, my whole life was just focusing on that process you know mm -hmm. there wasn't all the noise that there normally is yeah yeah I feel that I think you know I have a seventh house stellium which means I have a lot of planets in my seventh house of others and partnerships and there was a way in which I just kind of thought that like everybody was on my team. So I could basically ask anyone to hold anything for me. Mm. And the isolation piece actually was like learning how to hold all of that stuff for myself. Totally. It was almost about like learning about privacy. And I was so terrified of privacy because I thought like, well, then people won't know me. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I need to overshare so that people will know me. Like, girl, get that off the table. Yeah. <laughs> That's not, you can't, you know, you can't, like, ask your fr friends to pick your nose for you. Like, <laughs> you know that, like, you can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, you can't pick your friend's <laughs> nose. Like, Right? about like not like messing with other people's stuff but like there was a way in which like and then people would do it and I have like Saturn right there I would be like no boundaries me <laughs> like yeah like fix that piece like hold the internal hold the internal boundaries not everything that's in process needs to be out there yeah 
Yes, my seventh house Libra moon learned a lot of those same lessons. <laughs> um, so, okay, so I'm sure that people listening to this are going, those of those people that have not yet hit their Saturn return are now manically checking their astrology charts and trying to figure out where they have Saturn and when it's going to happen. Um, so if someone were to come to you and obviously like everyone's experience will be different and I don't really believe in like predictive astrology in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways, Uh, aside from just sort of like, okay, understanding that something like this will be coming down the line. Um, But are there any Mm -hmm. sort of like key tips um, that you might give someone who's approaching this point, who doesn't really know what's going to happen or how it's going to manifest and how it's going to turn out? Yeah. So I think one piece, and this is kind of a double-edged sword, like this is going to freak some people out more and make other people feel better. Um, So apologies. (laughs) Um, Is the idea of sect. And so sect is um, a traditional astrological technique that speaks to kind of the weight or the significance of certain planets and certain charts based on where the sun is. So the sun is above the horizon. So really in houses 12 through seven, although right with whole sign house charts, some the ascendant can be, or the descendant can be in the seventh house. But anyway, Basically, if the sun is in through houses 7 through 12, there's a day chart and Saturn is kind of less malefic. So it's, it's less problematic if the sun is above the horizon, basically. And if the sun is below the horizon in houses 1 through 6, Saturn can be a little bit more problematic And so sometimes that Saturn return journey can be a little bit more difficult. And you can see that in both of our experiences. Um, You have your son in the fifth house. It's a night chart. And yours was definitely a little bit rougher. I have my son in the eighth house. It's a day chart. I've got Saturn above my ascendant. So yeah, it doesn't matter where Saturn is. Um, But then also, you know, I think... I think really kind of one piece that we've maybe not talked about as much is, right, Saturn is moving through Aquarius, and that's a specific type of Saturn, and that's a kind of a communal experience of Saturn in Aquarius, and so there's also, right, Saturn is returning for people that have Saturn in Aquarius, but it's also a Saturn return in Aquarius, where Saturn is very comfortable, and very rebellious. Um, And so I think, you know, I think in general, right, as much as you can lean into the experience, but not with the expectation that you'll, it can be over sooner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Right. There's this kind of like active receptivity that we can have of like, right. And that's, I think, you know, a big power of, astrology and looking towards the future is like 
understanding the transits that are coming from us and participating in them actively. So it's not like, right? There's a kind of way of like, you can do your transits or they can do you. And there's a way in which it's a lot easier to integrate the stuff if our eyes are open and we're kind of looking at what's what's coming down the pipeline. Okay, then there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And we've kind of fully juiced them. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel like Saturn, like, rewards humility. <laughs> it's like the young people that I know that know they're young and, like, are really yeah. open to being taught and are, you know, which doesn't mean they, they're not, some of them are fucking brilliant and smart and doing so many different mm-hmm. things, but it's like they're, there's like a cautious approach, you know, mm-hmm. like the, I don't have it all figured out. I'm open to changing, to learning, to growing. Like, I think that lends itself to a potentially much less dramatic Saturn return Mm -hmm. versus someone that is, yeah, just like, I got it. Like I figured some, I figured it out. Like I know what I'm doing. Like, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. I admire people and sometimes I learn things, but, uh, I know myself and we're good. Like that's not gonna fly as much. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. I think Saturn returns, you know, in the astrological community, there's a sense of like, you're not fully an adult until you've gone through your Saturn return. Like it is this rite of passage. And I think part of that is that it turns you into so much more of a participant rather than Mm -hmm. this kind of hero. Right. Right? Heroes exist outside community. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I think that humility and asking real questions and allowing, knowing where you're kind of, Saturn is limitation and it's really about like the limits of you, the limits of your own self, which also it frees you and it frees other people, which is kind of like, you know, ideally the outcome of the Saturn return is actually the sense of liberation through figuring out what your own limitations are and where the boundaries of what you can offer and what you can receive yeah yeah and I I think like also asking people you know and admire like even if they don't know astrology just asking them what their late 20s was like um and just like really getting a sense for like the differing ways that these things can show up I mean it was I think also a lot of for sure parents ask your parents yeah well and a lot of parents have like having kids during your Saturn return is definitely like a big thing Um, my dad had me during his Saturn return. So like I was his first Saturn return and then he was going through his second Saturn return when I was going through my first Saturn return. And that was like, that was fucking fascinating, um, to sort of see his cycle 
as it related to what he was going through aside from me, but also with me, it's like my dad had to really show up for me in that moment and be a dad. Um, and it was really a ripple of his own fatherhood, I think in many ways. Um, so yeah, that might pan out for you too, that your parent had you during their Saturn return and like, how can you kind of go through that process together in a way? Yeah. Right. Those exchanging of, those exchanging of roles and passing the, right. I mean, there's, there's a kind of real turnover space. Yeah. All right. Well, (laughs) that was a long, amazing conversation. (laughs) I'll have to have you back on because I feel like we need to have like 12 more. Um, (laughs) So so if you could tell everyone where they can find you um, and learn more about you. And then I ask everyone if they could recommend one book to the audience. It can be more than one, though, if you feel compelled to give more than one. That was super meaningful to you and your life yeah my gosh so many um yeah so you can find me um my website is starhearthastrology.com and so that's that's hearth like the hearth fire not people always think it's heart Mm -hmm. um which kind of kills me a little bit inside but um starhearthastrology.com i'm starhearthastrology on instagram I have a YouTube channel where I break down monthly transits and I talk about new moons and full moons. Um, So I teach classes, I give readings, um, and I write a little bit um, for now while I'm still mostly a mom, um, which I will always be. It's wonderful. Um, and then, um, yeah, books. The one that I really feel powerfully about, I mean, I read the drama The Gifted Child, which was so big, and I know you've talked about a lot, and was just, like, just so important. Um, but I really feel like there's a book that was written the late 60s or early 70s, it is not PC. There are some really problematic things that he says in there about race particularly. Um, so with that caveat, um, the book Power and Innocence by Rollo May was so significant because it's really this book about how do we own our own power and it really breaks down what he calls pseudo innocence this kind of convenient way that we pretend not to know things and um and it talks about the origins of violence um really coming from the place of our insecurities and that was such a powerful lesson for me to learn that the place that I was most dangerous from for other people were also the places that I felt the most powerless. Mm. Um, 
and connecting those two pieces for me, I think has made me a way better friend and a way safer practitioner of whatever. Um, and yeah, um, was one of the fav- my favorite books that I read in graduate school. Um, but when I reached out to the professor about it, he said that they were maybe taking it out of the program because of people having such a big problem with a few of the things that he says. Um, so, you know, like <laughs> practice self-care in your approach to these things. But that book was super, super powerful. Yeah for me in its essence it's a good practice in discernment too like okay what what can I take from this and what shouldn't I take from this right that sounds awesome I that sounds like something I'd be super I've heard of that book before um but I yeah especially coming out of the becoming more aware of my own shadow and more aware of my own perceived powerlessness like when I witness that in other people now younger people especially it's it is scary and violent um in a way that they don't see um yeah that does so much affect (laughs) the people you're interacting with um so yeah all right well thank you Whitney that was super enjoyable even though we talked about Saturn (laughs) yeah all right thank you Hello again. Thank you so much for sticking around with us in that long-form Saturn conversation. Um, I hope you found some value in that. There were so many things that we also wanted to touch on that we didn't get to expand upon in as great of detail as we wanted to. So I wanted to get some information from you guys, some feedback from you, if y'all would be interested in maybe like a Saturn in Aquarius workshop or something like that. I would love to collaborate with Whitney in some creative ways. And I offer workshops for those who are patrons. Um, so I thought maybe doing a Saturn and Aquarius workshop for patrons would be meaningful. So please let me know, please let me know if that's something you would be interested in. Um, I also wanted to mention that the quote that I was referring to that I think Whitney thought was Wendell Berry was actually a T.S. Eliot quote that goes, at the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. So astrologically relevant, so cyclically relevant, that quote has shown up in so many of my favorite books. Um, It's something I return back to all the time, so I just wanted to clarify that. Um, And I think that's it. I'm going to play you out today with a song called Voice Inside the Well, uh, which is funny because just this morning, um, Whitney sent me a message saying that this album... Uh, which is called When the Day Leaves, and the the artist is Valley Maker. There's a, it looks like it may have been created in the San Luis Valley, which is where I live. <laughs> um, the picture on the cover ha- looks very much like that, and she thought it was the case, so that's why she sent it to me, and it's fucking awesome. Um, when the Day Leaves, Valley Maker, highly recommend. And the song I was listening to after she sent it to me, and I was like, hot damn, that's a Saturn Return song. At least that's how I relate to it. The lyrics are of all of these songs, actually, I was looking them up, are quite dense and um, multifaceted and multivalent and really cool. So it's probably like you could find 700 different meanings in one song, which is not unlike 
astrology. <laughs> um, again, there are three spots left in the lunar circle. If you want to join us, I would love to go on this journey with you through mythology, through story, both archetypal stories and your own and how they relate on yakots.com slash lunar circle. And I will talk to you all next time. Thanks for listening. Sometimes grieving most days vacant 58 dead in Las Vegas We're hanging on by a thread now baby Ain't we now, ain't we now I must be alive to give you something true of myself When I'm inclined to be a regular lady You don't mind, you hold me now anyhow Days get shorter and keep down my neck, I know the line is thin, I know the test is yet to come, baby, be at rest, be at rest. I must be alive to catch the wind, to step outside, to come back in, to recognize my oldest friend, it is alive inside my life. I, I, I. Well, it's our hometown, yeah, it's always hometown. Thank you.